Today is a special day, you guys. I'm so excited for what we are going to talk about. Actually, it's just going to be me, so I'm talking with you. And it's an exciting day for two reasons. Number one, it's our anniversary. Woohoo! Podcast, Kids Heartbeat Podcast anniversary. We've done a whole year and we're starting up on our second season of this year. Really excited for what's to come. But today also is very special because today I'm going to do a tribute to my mom. And the sad news is that she is in hospice and she's really coming to the end of her life. And so I just want to do this for her. But I really believe that it's going to be a blessing to you because my mom has been such a blessing to me. And quite frankly, I would not be alive if not for her. She has done so much to help me get where I am and to help this ministry get where it is. And so I want to share with you and leave a little bit of her legacy. So listen up. It's going to be a great show. It's great to be here with you today on our podcast, His Heartbeat, a ministry of Crown of Beauty International where your questions about life's challenges are explored through God's Word so He can renew and restore us in the truth of His love. His heartbeat for you. Let's get started. Here's our host and good friend, Sue Coral. Welcome back, everybody, to His Heartbeat. So great to be here with you today. I may even put this one on YouTube because this is a really special day for two reasons. I should say a special week. Number one, because this is the anniversary of our podcast. It's been a full year. We're starting our second season. This is the first week of our second season, the second year. So I'm really excited for what God has for us. And we continue always to pray and just our, our team and ask the Lord, what is it that God has for all of you and for us too, who are putting this together? So today is special for a second reason, because today I want to talk about my life and mostly about my mom her legacy in my life. And what really is triggering this, to be honest, is that she's in hospice and she's really coming down to the last few weeks of her life. So though it's a really sad time for me, of course, I'm super excited for her to enter into heaven, the place that we all really want to be if we really understand how amazing it is. And it is amazing. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a whole podcast on that sometime. Scripture's full of things and people's testimonies, and there's this great reason to rejoice of our next life or our continued life, but in a very wonderful place. So I'm excited for that, but of course, I'm super sad to lose my mom. But that's not what I want to talk about today. When I, what I want to talk about today is not only what an amazing woman she is, but the legacy that she has left. And if not for her, honestly, I would not be here today. So I did share a little bit in my introductory podcast, talking about my birth and my journey and how Crown of Beauty even came to be. But let me go into a little more detail, really sharing more about what part my mom had in that. So my mother was a pediatric nurse years ago and before even I was born, before even my brothers were born. I have two older brothers. Well, it's really cool because during 
the time before my birth, there was a surgeon in her hospital who became the number one surgeon in the country to help cleft palate babies. He had devised skin grafting, actually. We all know what skin grafting is. Believe it or not, he devised that in the 50s. So I was born, all right, I'll finally own up to my age in 1959. I share that just because it's an important piece because medicine is not where it is today. Well, my mom, being a pediatric nurse, she specifically was helping his patients, the children who had cleft palates. And the majority of patients who come in for cleft palate work are children or teens. Occasionally you have some adult plastic surgery that has to, has to still happen. At any rate, my mother became an expert working with these kids because they're being flown in from all over the country, right? So their pediatric ward is full of cleft palate babies. Well, mom is a very creative person she can make things work. And she's also very compassionate, loves children, loves children, and it's just has a way with them. I remember when my kids were young, and even my brothers would say the same thing, where if they started whining, or they were just in a cranky mood, or, you know, one of those days that kids get into, if we were at mom's house, boom, she come into the room, and she just had this way of turning their whining into laughing and fun. <laughs> and so anyway, she was that way, not only with my kids, but with these babies. And one of the things that she was able to figure out was how to get food into them. Because a lot of them, you can imagine what it is, is there's different degrees of cleft palates, but it does interfere with their eating. So there were many things that my mom was able to do managed to get children to be willing for doctors to check them over, get their stitches taken out, get shots, whatever. She had the magic touch where kids would just sit and be still during that time and it wouldn't be horrible for them. So this was the preparatory stage. And it reminds me of Ephesians 2.10, which is one of my favorite verses. And it talks about God has created us in advance to do good works, which he prepared long ago, or some say in advance. So what he's saying is, in the scripture, is before we're even born, if you go back to Psalm 139, 13, 14, I've talked about that, God knitting us together, our mother's womb that were fearfully and wonderfully made. You put that together with Ephesians 2.10, what you see is that God not only is making us beautiful and lovable and has all kinds of, with all kinds of talents and gifts, but he specifically has designed us in a way to do specific works to bring honor and glory to him and for a part of his kingdom plan, right? So he prepared this in advance. So here we have my mom and God is preparing her in advance by drawing her in to want to be a nurse. That's another story we'll go into, but he worked to bring that about to want to be a pediatric nurse with children and to quote unquote, happen to be, there's no happen to be, right? There's no accidental things or coincidental. 
God is in total control of our lives. And so in his control and his not control, like, oh, you're a robot, but in his sovereign plan, he worked it out that this doctor was at the very hospital where she could be prepared for me, basically, but also for all these children, not just for me, but how much she blessed so many children. But particularly, I think it was a calling that she had for me. And this impacts you today, and I'll get to that. So she gets pregnant, number three, I have two older brothers, and the doctors are really concerned when she's pregnant. She had a lot of excess fluid in her womb and some of these things. And they told her one day, Ellie, you could have possibly a baby with no arms and no legs, but definitely some kind of severe deformity. So we're really concerned. So it's not that it was a total shock when I came out. And yet it's always a little shocking when kids come out and they're missing pieces of their body, right? So mom was somewhat prepared. And I remember her telling me that even though abortion was not allowed back then, there was, I don't remember as an intern, a doctor, nurse, but someone saying to her that it would be better if you could have an abortion because this baby is not going to be able to live a normal, healthy life. Well, I was born and had arms and legs, but extremely severe cleft palate, beyond cleft palate. I was missing my nose. I was missing my upper lip. I was missing my palate. I had problems in my trachea. I was, I had trouble breathing. They had issues with my heart, probably just affected with all the trauma. So from birth, it was a unstable time. And yet my mom had this incredible peace because she had prayed, Lord, what do you want for this little baby? Please prepare my heart. And God told her, this baby is my gift to you. So she knew that I would live and that God was going to do a great work. So I praise God. I really do believe my mom has the gift of faith. And I don't feel like I have that. I definitely step out in faith, y'all. If God tells me to do something, I do it. I'm an adventurer. I love challenge, definitely. And so I will step into challenges. In fact, I get bored if I'm not kind of on the edge, <laughs> going, oh, this is a little hard, this is a little scary. I'm bored if I don't have that. So true. But so I do act in faith and live out faith, and I'm growing in that area. But what I see with my mom is this peace, this calmness. She doesn't get anxious because she has this gift of faith in believing in all that God is and never really, she doesn't ever really doubt that. Whereas I will struggle sometimes like, God, can you really do this? Isn't that a ridiculous question? God, can you really do this? <laughs> That's why I like to read the the whole, at Christmas every time I read through all the scriptures that talk about Jesus' birth. And I love how Mary just God says, I mean, she says, how, how can I get pregnant? And he says, you will, nothing's impossible for you. And she's like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, no, but I, God, do you realize what you're saying? You know, I'm, yeah, but 
she don't do that. Well, my mom's like that. So she really has a gift of faith. So when God tells her it's okay, and this baby's my gift to you, she's like, okay, we're good. You have to keep in mind too, though my dad really worked hard, he's a photographer. He, you know, they didn't make a ton of money, honestly. And once I came into the world, my medical bills were through off the charts, right? And the way, though, that God provided, once again, his sovereignty is that mom worked at University of Pennsylvania Presbyterian Hospital, which at that time was very linked to the church. And it, it was really like a mission hospital to help people in need, people who even don't have the resources. And especially when it's a doctor or a nurse or any employee at the hospital, they were very generous when it came to paying bills. So what happened is my mom worked and she worked hard, but she never got a paycheck from then on. It just went to paying off the bills. They just kept it and chunked away at the bills. And at the end, they just gave forgiveness. So, and doctors, by the way, did all the, their work for free, but of course there's hospital bills for staying there and nursing care and all that, medicine, whatnot. So God provided in that way as well. Any rate, I'm born. I had to mostly stay in the hospital, in and out for three years, had lots of surgery. That's how they did it back then. They don't do it the same, but over the next 15 years, so from age one to three, mostly in the hospital, four to 15, once I started school every summer, I'm in the hospital, sometimes during the year during the school year, but not very often. So I had 26 surgeries. Well, think about it, especially those of you who are moms. Oh boy, is it hard. I can't, I mean, if my kids are sick, I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> if they need any kind of more serious thing, it's, it's so difficult. And some of you who are listening are in that boat where your kids are needing some pretty serious treatment and it's easy to begin to question God or Lord, why does my child have to go through this? Or when are you going to heal them? Or, you know, complications come up and why did that happen? Well, honestly, my mom didn't do that. She had faith. She really did. Now, the other amazing thing besides the fact of being a nurse, she knew how to care for me because she'd already been caring for cleft palate babies was the fact that they had given up on me, but she never gave up on me. And she had confidence both from the Lord and his calling and also in the fact that she had the skills. So they were unable to get food in me in the hospital. The hole was so big. You can imagine just this massive hole in your face. And of course you can't suck without all you know the lips and all that. So they were really struggling. Now, I don't know about IVs. I don't know. It was very different back then. You know, they just didn't even have a lot of IV type medication, all that kind of thing. At any rate, they finally told my mom, it had been about three, three weeks, I think, take Susie home. They called me Susie back then. Take Susie home because she's going to die in here and it's better she just be with your family and die at home and then her brothers and her dad can be with her because my dad was 
between working, taking care of my brothers and my grandmother, my mom's mom was helping a lot. When my mom took me home, in fact, she took me earlier than they said because she recognized, I don't even think she's going to make it if I leave her here another day or two. So she took me home not to die, but she took me home to live. And when I got home, she looked all around. She found a mask from my brother's toys. She found things, that bandages and tape and this and that and a bottle and a nipple, all these things that she found put together this contraption and made a mask over my face that I was able to suck. And she actually pumped her breast and then put it into this bottle and I was able to get nutrition. So after three months, I got strong enough that she took me back and she said to the doctor, Dr. Van Dylen, you need to operate on my baby. And he said, she'll die on the operating table. And my mom said, no, she won't. And you owe this to me because I have cared for your babies for a few years now. So he agreed and I didn't die on the table. And that's why I'm here right now, praise God. But I continued to live. So those early days, you know, when you're a child and it's all that you know, it is all that you know. So it doesn't stress you as much, right? It's it's what I knew. I'm not saying it was easy physically. It was pretty rough. I had so many surgeries and needles and meds and, you know, living in a hospital and being away from my brothers and my dad. And of course, kids weren't allowed to visit you back then. So that really stunk. But my dad obviously came in to visit. So, and others, many others, everybody knew me in the hospital. <laughs> they had a thing back then called, I forget, like signature animals. So it's a stuffed animal, but with no fur. And then they have a pen and everybody signs it. So I had so many of these with all the signatures of nurses, doctors, family, relatives, friends, whatever. Well, the harder thing for me really came emotionally as I got older. When I went to school, kids would tease me. I think I've talked about this one before. And they would call me ugly. They called me pug nose, pug dog, things like that, dog face, because my nose was very, very flat as they build it. And my lip was super crooked and all kinds of scars. I had to eat liquid diets a lot, especially for about a month after surgeries. So it was hard. When I was eight, I started having severe breathing issues. They didn't know what was wrong. I couldn't even walk fast. And I'm very athletic. So that was pretty challenging. I was always in the backyard playing with the other kids, some kind of sport. But I had a pretty major surgery at that point, to the point that the doctor told my mom, Susie really has to have a good attitude about this because the recovery is going to be months and she can't have a negative attitude. She's not going to heal well. So do whatever you can. And at that point, I had hit the wall. I didn't want to go back to the hospital. I would say I was up to about 17 surgeries by that point. And I'm like, I've had it. I don't want to go back, mom. Well, I needed to go back and I need to have a good attitude. There was a lot of work to be done. And so my mom said, if you go back, I'll get you a dog. Well, we didn't really have money for a dog, <laughs> but 
I, I ran to the telephone and said, call the doctor, let me go today. I mean, I was so excited. I love dogs. So we got a dog, and by the grace of God, it was actually a, um, not a shelter, but a, a pedigree dog that they gave us for free, a little Sheltie, because of my situation. So that was a real blessing. So that summer after my surgery, it was really major. I had over 150 surgeries, or surgery, 150 sutures, stitches all over the place, lip, mouth, nose eyes even everything so that was pretty horrible but anyway my brothers were shipped off to go up to the mountains in New York with my grandparents because the doctor said I had to be in isolation so there'd be no infection so this dog was my best friend and my mom (laughs) she didn't work at the time she's just home with me so that was a a real help you know God used that little dog in my life to this day. I love, love, love dogs. And they are huge in my life. You know, I mean, not that that dog saved my life, but that dog was healing for me. And it's because my mom had the foresight to do that. The reason why we end up with a pedigree dog is because, again, I told you my mom's creative, right? So she thinks, okay, Sue's having a hard time. So already in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, we're really rough, kids teasing me, me coming home all the time. In fact, one teacher in first grade, when I went up to walk up front with the other kids for reading time, she told me to stay in my seat because I talked too funny and no one could understand me. And I came home crying. My mom went to the principal. I didn't know that, but she went to the principal. The next day I had a new teacher. They fired her. (laughs) And I came home, mom, mom, so great. I have a new teacher and she's really nice. And I got to read with everybody. It's really funny. Didn't know until I was older about what really happened behind the scenes. So you see what I'm saying? Mom was so much there, so involved, so much my advocate. At any rate, like I said, I'm now eight. I get this dog. And the reason mom went to a place to get a pedigree dog, and in fact, she went to get a show dog because she thought maybe it would be good if if Sue can show a dog and have everybody looking at her for a positive reason. Very clever, you know, actually comes in later that that is sort of what happened, but not for the dog. So we got the dog. I showed her maybe once or twice. And I think, honestly, I think it was just too expensive and too difficult to get to these places and with me in school and all that. So we stopped and mom was like, "Mm, I don't know if this is really helping. So we stopped that. But any rate, she was always there for me. When I come home, she's the one who would say, no, you're beautiful. It's not true. You're not ugly. These boys are just stupid is probably what she said. It would stop my tears. And I will say it helped me to see, at least in the eyes of girls, that I was acceptable. But I, because the the teasing continued, the rejection, it wasn't just teasing, but boys just not paying attention to me when they're paying attention to other girls. And that's how it is. I'm sure some of you listening are like, yeah, they did that to me because I had red hair or because some stupid reason, because I was tall or whatever. They shouldn't do that, right? But they do. Kids have this idea that we all should 
look the same and, and look a certain way. And if you don't, then you get teased. I think, in my opinion, more from boys and girls. Boy, girls might just not pay attention to you. But I had plenty of girlfriends. That was okay. And I did have a few guys, friends in the earlier days. But as I got older, it was hard, you know, when at a dance or wherever where you weren't getting asked, that kind of thing. So it was kind of rough, but mom really was there for me throughout the time. So she helped me immensely. The healing in my life, the deep healing of really seeing myself as beautiful, as fearfully, wonderfully made, as lovable, as acceptable, that honestly came later in my life. I have talked about that in other podcasts as I came to really dig in and know the word of God, as I learned to pray and enter into a more intimate relationship with God, enter into the presence of God through meditation, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But at any rate, in the same way that mom helped me when I was young, it continued as I got older. After I accepted Christ and actually helped my mom because she had gotten her, my dad had left us and we got, she got a divorce. That was really rough time for mom, but God was gracious to provide another husband. And he was a really good man, a doctor. Actually, I knew him. <laughs> I actually knew him. He used to come visit me because he was chief of surgery. And if a, a worker from the hospital had a family member there, he would visit them and he would even bring me gifts. It was crazy. But so when she said that she was marrying Dr. Stevens, I was so excited. <laughs> Again, I think the sovereignty of God. So that wasn't as hard of a transition, though, of course, obviously it wasn't easy. Well, as I started really walking with the Lord, starting to dialogue that with my mom, it actually really helped my mom. And we would have good conversations. And she came to realize that her husband, my stepfather, wasn't really walking with God. He knew about God, but he didn't know him personally. So we kind of started challenging him a bit. And my brother did too. And slowly but surely, he started opening up his heart, went to an evangelistic event that he didn't know was evangelistic, I don't think but ended up receiving Christ, and they got really involved in, in ministry. Well, I'm going to fast forward to when I got into my 30s, and I went to to China. So I went as a single. I went by myself. Well, it's not true. Uh, my best friend from Hawaii, I was in Hawaii at the time. My best friend from Hawaii came with me. That was nice. <laughs> I had a roommate, and I joined a team over there. But I just want to say how one thing that mom did, even though it's so far away, is she wrote to me literally a letter a day. They were short. Often they were like, oh, I did this. I did that. You know, telling me what she did. How are you? Praying for you. But she was really praying for me. I think it was later that I really came to appreciate that and understand how powerful a ministry that that was when moms pray for their kids. And I'll share that in a moment. So she became my encourager when I was overseas, my connection to back home. She'd let me know what was going on. You know, when you go overseas, 
as a missionary, not that you're forgotten. People might pray for you at home. They may not, but <laughs> yeah, think about you here and there. But often they don't write, you know, and back then it was letters and it took three weeks to get there because I got them every day. And she even sent me packages, which didn't always get there, but sometimes did, which cost a lot of money. We didn't call because back then it literally was $90 for five minutes. So only on special occasions did she call, but I got those letters and I would write back now we can email, right? We can text, we can, you know, all these ways that you can contact your missionary family or friends or missionaries from your church. So I do recommend that. I think it's really cool when you're overseas and you get an email and somebody says, oh, I read this in your newsletter and I was really praying for it. How did it go? And it's really, really sweet. And there were times where I felt on the mission field over there that it was so hard. There were times when things were really hard and I can go into that some other podcast, but at that time, God was so faithful. That would be right when I would get an email where somebody would just say, Hey, I'm really praying for you. You've been heavy on my heart. God put you in my heart when I woke up and I just been praying all day and sometimes tell me what they're praying for. And it really helped. I'm like, wow. Okay. I've got a whole team of prayer warriors here, but my mom was one of those. When I really began to realize that is my stepfather passed away. He was a lot older than my mom. Praise God. He lived to be 97. So <laughs> she had him for a long time. And when he passed away, I said, hey, mom, how about we Skype every week? Now, she didn't had ever done that. So we were home on furlough. We set up, I think my brother was there too. We set up her computer. That might be when we got her computer. I'm not sure. And got the little camera on it because back then it didn't have cameras. <laughs> we Every week we would Skype her. And that was to be for her sake. Well, guess what? It really ended up a lot of ways for our sake too, because we would get on there and she would talk to each one of my kids for like half an hour and then talk to me and sometimes my husband. And it was unbelievable how she would say, well, I've been praying all week for your soccer game. How did it go? And I know you had this math test. Was that okay? Oh, I, you said last week you were kind of having a hard time with a friend. How was that? And I'm going to pray for that. Now, how can I pray for you this week? It was so amazing. And she turns out she would write all these things down on a list and she would tape it up in the kitchen on the cabinet that she opened the most. In my case, that would be where the coffee mugs are. But anyway, <laughs> and every time she came to come into the kitchen, she would pray through that. But then it would be on her mind and she'd be praying throughout the day. So at this point, I had start already been doing Crown of Beauty and these conferences. And so I would let her know and she would pray. I'm not kidding. Like when I had a conference, let's say it was over there, they'd usually be two or three days, not one day. She would be praying throughout the day. <clears throat> she would tell me, I'm walking around, I'm praying uh, when I'm eating my meal, and it was really special for her because it gave her a new calling and a purpose as she already was 
what, about 75, I guess. And it was getting harder. She had another ministry going on at church. She worked at the information table. I think at that point, she was still helping with the missions missions house. It's a house where missionaries would live. And she would clean it and prepare it and prepare food when new people came, that kind of thing. So she had this ministry going on. But she had this incredible prayer ministry. And when I come back from a retreat, I would be like, mom, thank you so much. It was so incredible. They always were amazing. They weren't easy. We would have things like even threats of police showing up. We would have pretty weird things happen sometimes. My back would go out, whatever. But she'd be praying through the whole thing and we would see these miracles. And so it, it really made me realize how important that prayer is, especially when you're doing like a really big ministry event. You, I, I knew that over there, I had a prayer team over there, but to have this person back home who was praying throughout the day, literally, like as she's cleaning, doing ironing, cooking her meal, only when she was was talking to people or whatever that she wasn't. And often she talked to them and maybe they would pray together. So the kids have shared, my kids, my daughter, Joanna and Chris, how much those years of grandma calling them every week and praying for her and taking an interest in her life. And it's really wild because we're living on the other side of the world. She can't even really visit us at this point because of her age and the long flight and everything. But even though we're all the way over there, she's so involved in knowing everything going on in her life to the point that she began to realize that when she went to Sunday school and she was in a Sunday school with older men and women, and when they would share prayer requests or this or that, they didn't really know, like they weren't knowing what was going on with their grandchildren and children the way that my mom did. And that made her really happy. So she realized, wow, even though I can't be with them, I actually know more what's going on and I'm more involved in their life. So that's pretty interesting, pretty cool. That might be an idea for some of you listening if your grandkids or kids live far away. But turn that into prayer, right? Don't just call. Um, but yeah, encourage, send letters, but pray. It's really significant. So as these days, I'm kind of wrapping up here, but as these days are coming to a close, one of the things that we're doing is that each family member, so all the grandchildren, and there's a lot of them, <laughs> and my stepsister, obviously my husband, my brother, myself, you know, spouses, they're all coming and one by one, they're sitting down with mom and they're sharing what a legacy she's had in their life. They're sharing amazing memories or thanking her for being such a great grandma. They all say, you're my favorite grandma and why and how much God used her in their lives. And my daughter, I was hoping she could be on this, but She's super busy this week at work and couldn't come down. She's two and a half hours away. <laughs> but, and I, I realized we could have Skyped, but, or I'm sorry, joined on Zoom. But yeah, she's just way too busy. So she gave me a message to share. And I was actually sitting there listening as she shared this. But my mom has been a healer. And we may not 
use that term as much in Christian circles, or you may, I don't know, some do, some don't. But the meaning is that Joanna, through my mom, really got that vision. In fact, she almost went into nursing, but she's moving into holistic health. So she was helping a nutritionist. Now she's training to be a massage therapist and eventually wants to do the whole gamma of holistic health and be a healer to be a part of helping and healing people. And as she's seen how my mom has been a healer for so many people, not only with me, not only with my children, but she was has been involved in the widow's ministry. She was involved in coaching with my stepfather, couples who are in blended families, like being a coach or counselor for that. She's just always been there helping, caring, loving people. And that had a big impact on my daughter's life. And for my my son, he thanked her for being so generous because she's not only generous with her prayers, with her time. You know, she's a faithful letter writer, not just to me, but to many. But even financially, she's been very generous to help so many causes, so to speak, in need. And so, yeah, this is a tribute to my mom, but it's also if you would say a tribute to God, it's, I just want to thank God so much for that godly example that she has been for me. Again, I don't think I would have survived without her. Number one, another mother may have taken me home and I would have died, you know, however, God is sovereign in that. So I guess not, right? He had the right mom for me, a nurse, a very talented nurse and a very giving, compassionate woman. Oh, which is, by the way, one of the things all the grandchildren say is, Grandma, when we come to visit you, you lay aside all your plans, everything you were doing, you just let it go and are so present. My one nephew shared that, that you're so present with us. You just give everything and you're fun and you're generous and the food you buy us and in the gifts you give us on special holidays and birthdays. So, wow, we, going back to how does this relate to us, think about that. Are you leaving a legacy? And is that legacy the aroma of Jesus Christ? Because that's the legacy my mom has left, is the legacy of the aroma of Jesus Christ in our family's life, and not only our family, but so many people. And so please think about that. Is Are you leaving just a legacy of living a happy life and taking care of day-to-day things, or is there more? What does God have for you? How did he prepare you in advance to do the good works for him, for his kingdom, for his glory? And are you stepping into those? Are you really doing things that are a ministry, a healing ministry to others, or a caring, compassionate ministry to others, a helpful ministry to others? Is God getting the glory for it, or are you getting the glory? Because we really need to give that glory to God, which my mom always did. So that's my 
little tribute. I hope that you've enjoyed this journey with me. And I'm looking forward to this whole new season. Woohoo! And uh, we're still taking questions from you if there's things that you want us to talk about. I really appreciate it if you do reviews. I know I keep mentioning this, but the more I learn about podcasts, the more I realize that the only way that if people types in, type in a topic like faith or healing or spiritual growth or whatever, I won't pop up unless for them to find out about us unless I have a lot of reviews so or and ratings so please get going and do that for me i really appreciate it and hey think about it ask god how can i leave a legacy all right have a great week y'all thank you for being a part of our community and tuning in we would love to hear from you submit your own questions or comment on today's episode on the crown of beauty international facebook group or email us at crown of beauty international at gmail.com Push that subscribe button and leave us a review. Come back next Thursday as we go deeper into his heartbeat.